text for today from the Gospel, Jesus said, And as for that and the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. In the name of Jesus. About 20 years ago, my wife's favorite movie hit the theaters. The Patriot, a tale about the Revolutionary War with Mel Gibson, himself an old war hero who trained his boys now to fight against the British and one of his sons, and the reason I think this is my wife's favorite movie, played by Heath Ledger. In this movie, Mel Gibson teaches his boys how to shoot a muzzle-loading rifle. And four simple words occupy a theme throughout the movie itself, and they go like this, aim small, miss small. The words itself were not originally part of the movie script. You see, in training Mel and Heath how to shoot a muzzle-loading rifle, the technical advisor kept giving them this advice. Aim small, focus on the target, small as you can. And when you miss, don't miss by much. The words became heard all around the set so often that they incorporated them into the movie script itself and thus aim small, miss smell, the patriot was born. In our text for today, Here in Luke chapter 8, Jesus begins teaching using parables. According to Luke, this is now the, the first parable that Jesus uses, the parable of a sower who scatters seed everywhere. Ironically, this parable was very important for the early Christian church. However, about 40, 50 years ago, Vatican II introduced a three year series of readings, a three year lectionary, and ironically, this was one of the verses, the readings, that was taken out and not used at all. For us, still following the historic one-year lectionary, it's front and center as part of our preparation now for Lent and for Easter. And in this parable, Jesus tells of a sower, a farmer, if you will, who seems to be a really bad farmer. Or a really bad hunter, if you want to use the patriot analogy. The sower here in Jesus' parable does nothing to prepare the soil or pay attention to where the seed is scattered. No, it, it seems like the sower is just skipping and hopping along like Johnny Appleseed, throwing seed everywhere. So much for aim small, miss small. As a matter of fact, the sower here in in Jesus' parable is, well, a lot like what I was told not to do when I first went snow goose hunting for the first time back in Nebraska. Snow geese are the white geese, they're not the great big Canadas, and they will descend upon fields literally hundreds and if not thousands. As I was learning to hunt, one of my buddies called me and said, hey, you got to come with us. And so we piled into the pickup truck, 
And we saw some snow geese out in the field, and we, we drove up to a farmhouse and knocked on the door, and, and the farmer said, take as many of those dang things as you want. And so out of the back of the pickup truck, my buddy and his buddy pulled out a great big sheet of plywood that was cut out to look like a cow and painted black with handles on the back side. And they said, now here's what we do. We will sneak up on these geese, holding our cow, creeping across the field because they're used to seeing the outline of a cow and it won't scare them one bit. And when we get up within 30, 40, or 50 yards of the geese, we'll count to three and we'll throw this cut out of the cow forward and then we'll just start blasting those geese. I said, wow, that sounds like fun. He said, however, I have to tell you, do not flock shoot. I said, what? Flock shoot? He said, yeah. He goes, some people, they think because there's geese everywhere that they don't even have to aim at a goose. If they just shoot their gun up in the air, something will fall dead. He said, don't do that. You need to pick out a goose and aim for that. Aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small, flock shoot? What in the world does that have to do with a sower who's sowing seed? Well, that's interesting. Because Jesus now is talking about the seed that is his word. His word, law and gospel, that he desires to be given to be scattered everywhere, all at one time. And in so doing, he's talking about evangelism. And for Jesus, this is a very big deal. This is the preaching of God's holy word that we as the church still continue today. Matter of fact, Jesus emphasizes this here in Luke 8, verse 8. And the translation that we have there in the ESV really doesn't do it justice it reads as you heard it or have it there in front of you. As he said these things, he called out. The literal translation of the Greek is that Jesus kept raising his voice and calling out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is emphasizing to his disciples and to us still today, to the church, the importance of scattering the seed of his word. To be fair, this is why, if you notice in the divine service, to the right side on every page are references to scripture. Almost everything we have in the divine service comes directly from scripture itself. We speak it back and forth to each other. We read it. We pray it. We meditate on it. The, the largest parts of, of the service itself would deal with hearing God's word as it's read to you or as it's preached to you. That emphasis still continues. And to be fair, this seed is scattered. We scatter that seed in other ways. Last night we had our Valentine's Day banquet here for the school. Had a wonderful turnout. Wonderful turnout. Thanks to all who participated and helped and volunteered and, and attended that. We do that because we want those preschool families and those children to hear and receive this same seed, this same gospel. Thus, the work of the church, not just on Sunday morning, but during the week, continues. Because we believe that the seed 
needs to be planted, needs to be scattered. Now what's interesting about this parable is when his disciples come and ask him what all this means, Jesus focuses things quite a bit. In other words, he goes from the flock shooting shotgun approach of just scattering seed everywhere to focusing in specifically now on what this word is going to do. He says, to you, disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Jesus tells them, the first pastors of the church and us today, that the word, the seed, God's word, does two things. One, it will either open eyes and ears, or two, it will close eyes and ears. Because some will reject. Some will hear the word and want nothing to do with it at all. Think of Judas or others who believed for a time and then fell away. Think of Jesus as he talks about narrow is the door for salvation or that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is warning his disciples that Not all will receive this word, and they must be prepared. But in the church, we want to answer that question. We want to say, okay, if we can somehow appeal to this, that, or the other, we can have all of these missions and ministries, that'll be the most important thing we do in the church. If if we can just find that one niche that appeals to you and you and you and you, and then, then, then we'll all be gathered together. But Jesus says, no. There will be those who reject. He says they are these, the ones along the path who who have heard, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Takes away the word. The devil here is referenced only the second time in all of Luke's gospel. The first reference to the work of the devil is back in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is tempted by the devil himself in the midst of the wilderness, and Jesus, who of course is God in the flesh made manifest, withstands the assaults of the devil, does battle with the devil, and how does Jesus battle the devil? With the word of God. Spits it right back to him, which is why you and I need that word God, that word of God on a daily basis. Psalm 1, the very first psalm, reads something like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, his joy, his desire is in the Torah, the law of God, the word of God. And on this Torah, this law, this word of God, he meditates day and night. So question for you, what role does the Word of God play in your life? Is it just for Sunday mornings? Is it just for when you become choked by the cares and difficulties of life? To be fair, you and I need this Word of God daily in some way, shape, or form. Did you know that Adam, the very first human being that God created, His name literally in Hebrew means red, as in red soil, as in dirt. So much so that I had a Hebrew professor years ago at seminary who whenever he would come across and speak of Adam, he simply would call him dirt boy. And that's exactly what you and I are. 
From dust you are to dust, dirt, you shall return. Dirt. The problem, however, is the dirt and soil now that, that, that we have has been inherited from Adam and Eve who sinned. Prior to the fall, everything was good. They ate from the tree of life. They lived in God's presence. They had no need to make food for themselves or even clothes. Everything in God's creation was beautiful and good. There was no sickness, no disease, and no death. But then they transgressed God's holy law. They became navel gazers who now look to themselves, what must I do, what can I do, instead of trusting the Lord and his daily provision. And because of that now, all soil, all flesh has been affected since. It's the reason why, for example, you go to get a checkup from your doctor and you have to fill out those four, five, six, seven, eight pages of forms And the doctors want to know, and for good reason, not only pre-existing conditions, they want to know about your family medical history. They want to know the types of illnesses that your mom and dad and grandma and grandpa had because they understand that the soil that is your body is affected by that. Pay attention to that, if you will. Because your doctors can serve you much better if they know some of what is in that soil. It makes it so much better because then the Word of God can be aimed, and not just the Word of God, but the gifts He gives through doctors and medicines, aim small, miss small. The ones along the path are those who have heard, those who have rejected, like Judas, like the man at the wedding banquet that Jesus speaks of who removes his wedding garment and who is cast out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will always be those who want nothing to do with God's word, even as it is preached and taught. But then Jesus says there are three others yet who will have faith. One's on the rock who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. You see, your soil needs to be properly cultivated, needs to have things added to it, because your soil on its own, well, it can't even believe. You need the Holy Spirit who continues to come to you, not only daily through your baptism, but through the reading of his word and through our Sabbath rest that we receive on Sunday Jesus goes on, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit, their good works, does not mature. You see, the Lord has good use for you, and this is precious gospel. Perhaps you're struggling sometimes with what you should be, perhaps, when you grow up. Or am I making a difference in my job, in in my office, in my family, in my state, in my country, in my church, and so on and so forth? And the first thing you need to know is precious and pure gospel, that the Lord has good use for you. That he has created you, rescued you for good works that he has prepared even advance for you to do. Yes, there will be thorns Yes, there will be cares and riches and pleasures, temptations for you in this life. But where do you turn? Do you turn to yourself? Do you say, what must I do? Or do you turn to the narrow way? 
Do you turn to an aim small, miss small sort of way? In the sense that you look to Christ alone as the author and perfecter of your faith. You see, Jesus comes, and even though with evangelism, it's all about scattering this seed everywhere, in terms of your justification, Jesus narrows his focus quite well. He thinks first and all, first of all, of you. And not only that, he sets his eyes upon the cross. He sets his eyes upon his own suffering and death, where he will take into his body, his perfect, godly soil, all that taints yours. All of that now, foisted in and upon himself as he hangs and bleeds at the cross, and as he, the one, the only one, thinks small target, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, through his work now you are justified, you are saved. And so the disciples, Jesus says, keep on preaching. Provide light now so that people can see and enter now the kingdom of heaven. This word, this law and gospel, lest they lose, lest they reject what has been given. And be careful when you start to solve the problems of this life. Perhaps you have family or friends or others and you ask the question, why do some believe and not others? Why do we have close to 700 members here at Advent Lutheran Church but only see 300 or 325 every Sunday? And you rack your brain and you think, well, if we do this and we do that, well, one, you might say, maybe some people are good. Maybe some people have better soil than others. And some people are bad. And of course, as we discussed, no one is righteous, not one. So that throws that out the window. Number two, you might say, well, must be God's fault. The seed doesn't work. The word doesn't do that which it says. If you go down that path, read Isaiah 55 from our Old Testament lesson for today. God's word will always do its work, but a church now that trusts in other means and ways to bring about faith or to grow the church stands on very shaky ground. It would be like saying, well, the problem with the crop is maybe those scientists at Corteva, they screwed up. God screwed up the, the seed. Or maybe there wasn't enough nitrogen or all these other things. But again, your soil and mine, not good at all. Not good for any growth. But yet he comes and cultivates that soil through his word and his sacraments. Why then do some believe and not others? Well, I would simply tell you to leave that with the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and the soil of my body of which God has given me, you must feed and care for your body. I'm sure your doctor talks to you about that. How much more does Jesus not remind you that for you, you to whom he comes, comes not only enclosed the soil of your body in holy baptism, but comes now with his body and blood in simple bread and wine into you. Plants a seed into the soil that is your body, that there may be forgiveness of sins, life and salvation that you may bring forth good fruit, good works, that one day, even when your body as a seed is buried into the ground, it will yet burst forth in the resurrection, just as Christ our Lord 
came back from the dead. And so aim small, miss small? Maybe not in terms of the preaching and teaching of the gospel. But Jesus most certainly has zeroed in on your salvation and achieved it. And he asks you to narrow your focus on his word as well. Recognizing not only your sin, but very specifically what he has done and where he has given you all you need to support your body and life. As for that in the good soil, he said, there are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an, honor and good, in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. God so granted to us for the sake of Christ. In the name of Jesus.